I want to speak to you about the power of humility. That's kind of almost, uh, uh, doesn't seem like it goes together, does it? The power of humility. You know, the Bible speaks so much about humility. It does. In fact, it speaks about pride. In fact, the Bible says that um, God hates pride, but he loves humility. The Bible even says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13, look at what it says. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride, he hates pride and arrogance, and the evil way, and the perverse mouth, I hate. Then you move over into Proverbs chapter 8, 18, verse 12. Look at what it says in chapter 18, verse 12. Again, he talks about the difference between pride and humility. Verse 12 says, before destruction... The heart of a man is haughty. Somebody says, another way, pride goes before destruction. Think about that. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty. And before honor is humility. Man, what a contrast. You're going over in Proverbs 29, verse 23. And you once again see how God feels about it. Boy, now listen to this. You need to hear this. Proverbs 29, 23, a man's pride will bring him low. Wow. But the humble in spirit will retain honor. It is obvious that God has strong feelings about pride, but he also has strong feelings about humility. Two of the most disturbing verses in the Bible, are found over in the book of James. The first one is James chapter 5, and you'll, chapter 4 rather, verse 6. I want you to look at the context of this. He talks about pride and humility in the context of resisting the devil. In both cases, when God does this, he talks about pride, humility, and resisting the devil. And I saw, I said, man, there's a clear pattern here, Lord. So in James chapter 4, verse 6, he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, now listen to this, God resists the proud. Now, it's one thing to be resisted by man. It's another thing to be resisted by God. I mean, the omnipotent God of this universe who created all things and holds everything in the palm of his hand. God Resist the proud, but gives grace, marvelous grace, does for us what we don't deserve, couldn't do for ourselves. God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. Now look, look what he says right after that. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You resist the devil out of a humble spirit. I'm going to tell you in a moment why he always puts uh, pride and humility about resisting the devil. Over in 1 Peter, 
chapter 5, I, I want you to notice. Again, you know, James wrote, God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. Now, Peter writes and repeats the same thing, the absolutely same thing in a context. Listen to what he says in verse 4 of 1 Peter. And when the chief shepherd, Jesus, appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to the elders. And all the older people said, amen. <laughs> I like that verse. <laughs> Likewise, you younger people, my wife's younger than me. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to the elders. Yea, all of you be submissive one to another. Now get this. And be clothed with humility. What a picture. The clothing you wear is to be the clothing of humility. And then he goes on and says, be clothed with humility in verse 5. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I love this. Therefore, since God gives grace to the humble, therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. I understand that. He says, Fred, humble yourself under my mighty hand. He says to Luke 4.18, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your care on him. Cast all your care on him. He cares for you. Then he says it. Be sober. Be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith that the same sufferings, because the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. You know why God says, I hate pride, I resist it. But I give grace to the humble. So therefore humble yourself and then resist the devil. You know why? You know why? It was pride that caused Satan to be cast out of heaven. What was the sin that caused, I mean, he was number one or two among all the angels with great power and authority in the heavenly realm. But God cast him down and prepared hell, not for people, but for the devil and his angels. And he said, you know what Satan's sin was pride. I will exalt myself above the most high. I will be higher than God. And boy, he, he was just eaten up with pride. And it was pride that caused the devil to be cast out of heaven and to have hell prepared for him. So you understand that, man, we're talking about pride and we're talking about humility and how much God loves humility, how it's the key that opens the door to great blessings. It is the key that opens the door to answered prayer. It is the key that opens the door to the power of God. It is the key to open the door to resisting the devil. I am telling you, when you're walking in humility, you are walking in great, great blessing. Well, you say, how great a blessing is it, Brother Fred? You know, sometimes Jesus says something, we just read over it and say, that sounds nice. But I want you to get this. Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. Matthew 18, verses 1 through 4. At that time, 
the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, isn't that something? They had to be Baptist, you know. (laughs) Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Well, listen to what Jesus said. Then Jesus called a little child and set him in the middle of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children. Now think about this. You will no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. And here it is. Whoever humbles himself as this little child. Woo. Not who's the greatest preacher, the greatest prayer warrior, the greatest servant, or the greatest singer. Whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. i tell you what. I want to know what humility is. I want to know. Because God says that's greatness in his eyes. You know, I'll be frank with you. For years, for years, I struggled with being able to define humility. How do you define it? Well, I know one thing. In Philippians 2, it says, Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, thought it not something to be held on to, to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant. And he, listen to what it says, humbled himself, Jesus did, and became obedient to the death of the cross. So he said, have the same humility that Jesus had. Have the same humility that Jesus had. All right? Well, what does it mean to humble yourself? Well, I didn't know. I just, I mean, I, I try to define it. I try to, uh, but I just didn't have a grasp on what it was until about, it, this had to be at least 25 years ago. And I was preaching um, a, a revival in Enterprise, Alabama. Well, it was really unusual because we had about 12 churches and we were meeting out in, in, a, in, in a stadium. And this may be around the 80 or somewhere around there. I can't remember exactly. But um, we met on Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night. And it's like the heavens were closed. I mean, it's like they were shut up, shut over. And I said, man, this, this, something's wrong, bad wrong. Because I was preaching the word of God. The people had prayed and like the heavens were closed. And so uh, I had someone with me on that meeting. And so I think it was probably around maybe late in the morning. I said, you know, um, something's holding back this meeting. I mean, something's keeping God from moving in the hearts of these people. And so I said, we need to pray. We need to pray. And I remember I knelt down by one side of the bed over here. Another person knelt out over there. And we began to pray. And you know, God told me, he said, you know what it is? It's pride. All these people in this little town of enterprise, all them that are coming to this meeting, they know each other. They know what church they go to. And said, I've spoken to their hearts. But it's pride that keeps them from responding to the gospel. I said, well. 
And then the Lord began to reveal to me what pride is, but then the opposite of that was humility. And he, and he showed me four things, four things. And I didn't realize it when he showed them to me, but all four are in a parable Jesus gave. He showed me four truths about pride, and he showed me the opposite of what humility is. And so I, I wrote them down on a pad. I remember I was kneeling, and the Lord would speak to me and said, now, this is what pride is, and this is what humility is. And I'd get up and walk over to the place where the pad was, and I'd write down what God told me. Then I'd go back and kneel down. He spoke to me again. I'd go over and write down. The third time it occurred to me, if I just bring the pad over there, I wouldn't have to go over there every time. I'm slow, but I did. I got the pad over there. Spoke to me four times. Let me tell you what happened. That night, we had to go inside because of rain. And we gathered in the First Baptist Church of Enterprise. And guess what? I preached the message that I'm going to preach this morning. And heaven opened. And the Spirit of God moved. And the altar was filled. Why? Because God exposed the pride. And the people humbled themselves and responded to God. You know, I didn't know this. And I just shared this to give you the glory, give God the glory. A few weeks ago on a Sunday night, I preached at Tillman's Corner Baptist. Brother Greg Pounce is a pastor, and he married a young lady from uh, Cottage Hill. So I knew Greg, but I didn't know this. He said, Brother Fred, I was to be a counselor in that crusade. And I was concerned that no one had come those first few nights, just a few. And I was concerned that I wasn't getting to counsel anybody. He said, you remember, we moved into the church on Wednesday night. <laughs> and he said, God spoke to me. He said, Greg, you don't need to be counseling anybody. I'm calling you to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you need to go down to that altar and surrender to be a minister of the gospel. I said, praise God, the whole crusade was worth that. Amen. It's glorious. Now, let me ask you this. What is, what is humility? I want to show you the four things, okay? Here's the first thing. Pride refuses to admit that is needy. We're looking at Luke chapter 18 now. All four of these things are found in this parable. And we'll just keep these scriptures up on the screen. Uh, and, and when I refer to them. But now this is a parable given by Jesus. And in it he clearly reveals what pride is. But at the same time clearly reveals what humility is. We don't have to wonder about it anymore. I know exactly what it is. All right, in Luke 18, verse 9, he spoke this parable to some, now listen to these words, who trusted in themselves. Would you underline that, please? This was their problem. They trusted in themselves. He spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And get this, despised others. They looked down on others. He said, two men went to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector, publican. Hey, Pharisee, ultra-religious, ultra publican, ultra-sinner. I mean, extreme opposites. Religious man, whoo, the chief of sinners. A Pharisee and uh, a tax collector, verse 11, 
the Pharisee stood and prayed with himself. Notice prayed with himself. (laughs) I think he was praying to hear himself pray. The Pharisee stood and prayed with himself. God, now listen to this. I thank you that I'm not like other men. I'm not an extortioner. Well, that was good. I'm glad. I'm not unjust. Well, that's good. I'm not an adulterer. Well, I'm glad. And I'm not like that tax collector over there. That's exactly what he prayed. He said, in fact, I fast twice a week. Woo. That'll get you elected a deacon. I mean, I fast twice a week. You get on a pulpit committee with that, but we're not looking for a pastor. But I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. Woo! This man is religious. But look at the next verse. The tax collector. Boy, this rank sinner. Standing afar off. He just got over here by himself. And he wouldn't even lift his eyes to heaven. And the Bible said he began to beat on his chest. Can you imagine? Boy, he was under conviction. He was feeling the hand of God in his life. He beat on his chest and listen to what he cried. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's all he said. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then Jesus said in the next verse, Boy, it's awesome. He said in the next verse, this man, the publican, went down to his house justified. The publican met God in the temple, and the Pharisee missed God a million miles. The publican met God in the temple, and Jesus said he went down to his house justified rather than the, and the other. Here it is. For everyone who exalts himself will be abased. But listen to the rest of it. But he who humbles himself. This is all about humility. It's what it's all about. He who humbles himself will be exalted. Oh, well, the four things that God showed me were in this parable. The first thing is this. Pride refuses to admit its need, humility readily admits its need. All right, let me show you that how that works, that pride will not admit its need. Listen to the Pharisee. Now, listen to what he said. It's not what he said completely. It's what he didn't say. You know, he said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. And he listed the things he didn't do, which I'm certainly glad because they were sinful. And then he looked down on the Pharisee and said, I'm not like him. And then he told God what he did. Now listen, it wasn't what he said. It's what he didn't say. Not one time. Here he is standing before holy God. I mean, absolutely holy, holy, holy. And he starts bragging to God what he's not and what he is. You know the problem? Not one time did he acknowledge his need for God. Oh, God, I come into your temple today, and, Lord, I come here, and I want to tell you, Lord, that I'm a desperately needy man. 
Oh, God, I'm so needy. Lord, if it wasn't for your mercy, I would be consumed. Oh, God, if it wasn't for your grace, I'd be lost and headed for devil's hell. Oh, God, if it wasn't for your presence in my life, I would never be anything. You see, not one time did he acknowledge how much he needed God. Not one time did he acknowledge how much he needed God's mercy and God's grace. Not one time did he admit how, how he could not live without God's power and God's presence. He just never admitted his need. He's like the church at Laodicea that said, we're rich and increased with goods and need nothing. But oh, look at humility. It readily admits its need. See, humility, you humble yourself before God. And you tell him how, how needy you are. The, 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 the publican, all he did, he never said, he never used the word I. He never used it. He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know what he was saying? God, I need your mercy. Don't give me what I deserve. God, I need your grace. Do for me, Lord, what I can't do for myself. And God, I just want you to know I'm not going to make it without you. I'm not, I've tried. I've tried to live without you, Lord. But I can't. And so, God, I just come. And I'm just saying to you that I need you so much. I need you, Jehovah. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Holy Spirit. I need your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness. I humble myself before you, O oh God, and let you know how needy I am. And the Bible says God smiled on him. And he went home right with God. But you know, the second thing that the Lord showed me that's in this parable is not only does pride refuse to admit its need, but humility readily admits how much he needs God. And I'm going to tell you something. I want you to listen to me. If a church gets to the place, it feels self-sufficient. Buddy, Lord, we, we got a new building. We got plenty of people. We got all we need. We got all this stuff, Lord. And, and, and God, we just, Lord, i tell you one thing. We don't need anything. But if that church is in deep trouble, you know that, don't you? Luke 418 fellowship ought to every day say, oh God, we are a needy church. We need your love. We need your mercy. We need your grace. We need your forgiveness. We'll never be as a church what you want us to be unless you touch our hearts, oh God. We don't come into this place because we have it all together. And we don't come in this place because we're not needy. We come into this place as a needy church that cries out for the power and the presence of God to come in this place. A humble church is a powerful church. But you know, not only... This pride refused to admit its need. It refuses to admit it can't meet its own need. Pride is self-sufficient. Listen to me. Pride is self-sufficient. Humility is God-sufficient. Listen to what the Pharisee said. Now, he, he was self-sufficient, y'all. He was a humanist. Oh, he was very religious, but it was all about him. Now, notice what he says. Look how many times he uses the word I. He says here, he said, and the Pharisee stood and said, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, that I fast and I give tithes. Hey, 
You know the problem with pride? It is self-sufficient. He said, Lord, if I have a need, maybe the Holy Spirit tried to get to his heart. And, and, and maybe he said, well, but if I have a need, Lord, if there's any need, I want you to look what I do. What I do, I fast and I tithe and I read the Bible. And hey, listen to me. Fasting is biblical. Tithing is biblical. But you see, he was trusting in that. He was trusting in his works. He was trusting in his own righteousness. He was trusting in what he could do. And that's the way pride is. It is self-sufficient. It is self-sufficient. Lord, if I have a need, I can handle it. I can handle it. Let me tell you something. It is a curse when a preacher tells people that they can do it in their own power. These self-help preachers who say, now listen, all you've got to do is work harder and try harder and you just... You know, you just be strong in yourself and you be encouraged in yourself. There's just one problem. Without Jesus Christ, we can't do anything. We're helpless without him. You say, that offends me. It's because you're proud. I want to tell you, it's not self-help gospel. It's without me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. You know what nothing is? Nothing. Oh, but Brother Fred, I'm strong. You're in trouble. You're not strong. You're weak and you just don't know it. You see, pride refuses to admit that it can't meet its own need. Can't meet its own need. Boy, that publican, man, he said, God, I guarantee you one thing. I'm not self-sufficient. I'm not independent. You know what he said? God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That wasn't very eloquent. That wasn't very long. It wasn't very impressive, but it was his heart. God, I'll never be forgiven unless you forgive me. Jesus, I'll never be changed unless you change me. Jesus, I'll never be able to live the way I ought to live unless you come to live in me. See, he was totally dependent on God. Totally. And friend, let me tell you something. Whether you know it or not, we're absolutely dependent on God. We can't fight the world, the flesh, and the devil in our own power. We can't overcome sin in our own power. Listen, we realize that unless Jesus Christ lives in us and is our life and our strength, we will never be able to live a victorious Christian life. The victorious Christian life is not you trying hard and doing the best you can. The victorious Christian life is Jesus Christ living in you and living his life through you. You can't do it without Jesus. He's the vine and you're a branch. You've got to abide in him. I never will forget. There was a man that attended uh, Cottage Hill regularly because his wife came, brought her children. But he was arrogant. Man, he was proud. I mean, I'm just telling you, he, uh, the, Paul said, a little learning doth make thee mad, you know. I think he got educated, and I'm all for education now. I'm not for ignorance. But he, man, he, I'm telling you, he was so full of himself, he wiggled, I mean, he rattled when he walked. I mean, he was full of himself. I never will get, he, he came to see me. <laughs> he said, you know, Brother Fred, I don't need God. I don't need Jesus. 
religion's nothing but a crutch. I don't need that. And he talked about all of his accomplishments and his education. And, and he, boy, I mean, I'm telling you, he was eat up with pride. Lord have mercy. He, would not, he didn't even know he had a need and wouldn't admit he couldn't need it if he did. And then finally, he just kept going on. He said, Brother Fred, I want you to know one thing. I'm a self-made man. Boy, my flesh rose up. And I wanted to say, you're exactly right. God wouldn't make a mess like you are. <laughs> but that God wouldn't let me say it. I, won't, I thought it. But let me tell you something. God still loves people who are arrogant. He still loves them who are proud. You know, a series of events began to happen in his life. And God began to break down everything he was trusting in. Oh, I saw it. God was just gradually breaking down everything he was trusting in. And I never will forget the day. Glory to God. He walked down that aisle and took my hand and said, Brother Fred, I need God. Hallelujah. God is able. And God saved him. He changed his life. He did. And I praise God for it. But you see, pride refuses to admit its need. And it's so proud, it thinks it, it, it can meet its own needs. It is self-sufficient instead of God-sufficient. Here's the third thing. Pride is more concerned about what people think than what God thinks. Pride is more concerned about man's opinion than God's opinion. Pride is a man-pleaser instead of a God-pleaser. Humility is more concerned about God's opinion than man's opinion. Humility is concerned about pleasing God and not pleasing men. You say, how do you know that, Brother Fred? It's right here in this passage. Look, look at it in verse 18, in Luke 18. And I want you to notice this. This is quite, quite interesting. The Pharisees stood. All right, I can see him right now. And prayed thus with himself. Now, he prayed. He noticed that around the front there were here were some rabbis and some important people in the synagogue. A number of significant people were there where they could hear him pray. And so he said, here's my chance. He said, he prayed with himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Did y'all hear that? I hope y'all heard that, okay? He said, I'm not an extortioner. Did y'all hear that? I'm not unjust. Well, I bet that impresses you. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not even like this. Hey. Y'all, I'm not like him. See, he was more concerned about what the people thought standing there in the synagogue than what God thought. In fact, he really wanted to impress them and said, I know I'm not supposed to say this, but I fast twice a week. What do you think about that? Boy, he said, I bet they really think I'm somebody. I'm going to be elected head of the synagogue. I just know what's going to happen. And I give tithes. Listen. He was more concerned about what people thought about him and impressing people than what God thought about him and impressing God. You know, pride is a man pleaser. Humility is a God pleaser. And I mean, he 
was absolutely, it really didn't matter to him probably what God thought right now. He just was concerned about what people thought about him because pride is more concerned about reputation and the opinion of men than they are the, the, the fear of God. That's it. I'm telling you. Boy, I tell you what. The publican would make most of us uncomfortable. He could care less what the people in the synagogue thought. He could care less what anybody thought. Now, I'm telling you, I don't know how I responded. He got over there by himself. He wouldn't even lift his eyes to heaven. And he started beating on his chest. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I don't know how long he did it. But I know one thing. He didn't care what those rabbis thought. He didn't care what the Pharisee thought. He wasn't going to answer to them. The only one he was ever going to stand before is a holy God. And he cried and absolutely threw the favor of men to the wind. He he didn't want people not to like him, but he wasn't living for people to like him. He was living that he might please God. You know, I kind of got hard on the Pharisee. I said he was more concerned about what people think than what God thinks. You know, God has a way of just uh, shining the light on you. He said, Brother Fred. No, he didn't call me Brother Fred. He said, there was a little boy. His mother said, uh, we we need to go uh, to see Fred Wolf." He said, I don't know him. She said, you know, Fred Wolf." She said, oh, you mean Brother Fred. He thought Brother Fred was my name. You know, uh, the thing about it is we've got to get to the place that we love people. We don't want to be a stumbling. Now, stay with me now. We love people. We don't want to be a stumbling block to people. We want to help people in their journey toward Jesus. But let me tell you something. We can't live with the fear of man. We cannot live. The Lord spoke to me and said, you know, you kind of hard on the Pharisee. And I've told you to do things sometimes. And your first answer to me was, Lord, what will they think? Now, I know y'all are too spiritual to ever think that. But I'm telling you, I'd, and the Lord would say, I want you to do this. And I'd say, Lord, what will they think? That was pride. It doesn't matter. As long as it's God, you do what God tells you to do. I'm telling you, the Lord will expose it in you. I never will forget this. We were having a conference on revival. And uh, Jim Hilton was preaching. One of my dearest friends in who's, who's in heaven now, worked at Metzger's, name was Mike. God convicted him while he was at work at Metzger's over in the, old, in the, in the Bel Air Mall. And he went back in the, where they had stored the church and got on his knees and got right with God. And just said he'd been away. And he, he came back to God. He humbled himself. And the Lord said, now that you've done that, I want you to do this. I want you to go down to the church. We're having morning services. And I want you to go, and I want you to go down the aisle, and I want you to get in the altar when you get there and just get on your face. Mike said, Lord, I've already done this. I've already gotten right with you in the shirt closet. And, and I, mean, I mean, why have I got to go? He said, Mike, I want you to go. Go, I tell your boss that you need to go. And his boss is a Jew, fine man. Said, uh, I want you to go tell him that you've got to go down to the church and you'll be back. Well, he came, and I was sitting up here, and Jim Hilton was preaching. 
And Mike came in the back door, and um, Charlie Jackson was standing back there. And he grabbed Charlie by the arm and said, go with me. Charlie said he didn't know why he was going, but Mike grabbed him. And Mike got down there, and we had about five steps. And right in the middle of Jim Hilton's sermon, he just stretched out on his face before God, just stretched out and was praying. Wasn't disturbing anything, but just praying. And I was sitting over here, and I said, now look, what in the world are you doing to myself, Mike? What are you doing? Jim's preaching. It's not time to come to the altar. It's not time to get on your face. Now, what in the world are you doing? And it kind of bothered me. You know what God said? Let me tell you about Mike. He's more concerned about what I think than what you think. I said, I heard you, Lord. I heard you. Hey, friend, listen. Pride will cause you from doing what God tells you to do. Sometime he'll tell you to come to this altar and get on your knees. Well, what will they think? I hope everybody in our church would rejoice when people get on their knees before God. But, buddy, I'll tell you what, pride is more concerned. What people think, what God, but humility is more concerned about what God thinks, what people think. Well, here's the last thing. And, boy, this is so serious. Oh, it's so serious. Humility says, I'm needy, Lord. Humility says, oh, God, I cannot meet my own needs. And, oh, God, humility says, Lord, make me to the place that I'm more concerned about pleasing God than I am pleasing people. Lord, don't let me be a man pleaser. Let me be a God pleaser. But you know the thing about pride? It always sees, now stay with me, other people's sin and judges them. Pride has, a, pride has an eagle eye for the sins of others and judges them. Jesus talked about that when the person uh, was uh, getting on this guy uh, uh, and judging him. And Jesus said, you know, I said, you, you, you see the speck in your brother's eye. You see your speck in your brother's eye, but you can't even see the telephone pole that's in your eye. That's exactly what he said. And it wasn't telephone pole, but it was log. But I thought you'd understand telephone pole. But anyway. You know, pride always sees the sins of others and judges them. It's called spiritual pride. Now, now listen to me. You can't help but see the sins of other people. By their fruits, you shall know them. But when we see the sins of other people, it ought to break our heart. We shouldn't judge them. We should say, oh God, but for the grace of God, that's where I'd be. For the grace of God, that's where I'd be, Lord. And I, I'm not going to judge them. I'm going to pray for them. And, and Lord, you told me if there's any way I can in Galatians 6, 1, if a person's overtaken in a fault, you are spiritual, go and restore them in the spirit of meekness, lest you, 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 you be tempted. God says, you have a redemptive spirit. You have a restoring spirit. But no, not with the Pharisees. Uh-uh. Not with the, prou the proud. They see other people's sin and they judge them. One of the worst letters I ever got. I walked in the prayer room of Cottage Hill. There was a letter with no, just my name on the front, just a white envelope. And I looked to see if it was signed, and it was, because I don't read letters that are unsigned. Because if somebody ain't got the courage to sign their name, I ain't going to read it. But it was signed. And this particular person happened to be a lady 
And she judged everybody in our church, from me to the staff. And I mean, she pointed out all the sins in our church. And, and some of it was right. I mean, she, some of it was true. But she just went through the thing and she just, man, I've never had such a condemning spirit come on me and such a spirit of judgmentalism come on me. I read that letter and I, my heart was broken. And I said, dear God, this woman is eaten up with spiritual pride. She's eaten up with spiritual pride. And the Bible says that pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Lord God, I prayed for her. God, you got to get, you got to deliver her from this spirit of pride that sees the sins of others and judges them. I prayed for her. Pride goes before destruction, destruction. A haughty spirit before fall. Two months later, she left her husband. She left her children. Went out into the world and lived a wicked life. You say, Brother Fred, that is exactly what happened. And I tell you, the way the devil got a hold of her is she was full of pride, judging others. But you know what about humility? Humility judges itself. The publican said, God, be merciful to me. Oh, oh by the way, not God be merciful to the deacons, or God be merciful to the pastor, or God be merciful to those other people in the church that aren't right. Hey, we all need to get right. But he, he said he wasn't concerned about anybody else. He had an audience of one, and that audience was God. And he said, God, be merciful to me. Oh, how that thrills the heart of God. How that thrills the angels of heaven when a man says, God, be merciful to me. Humility sees its own sin and judges it. The Bible says judgment must begin at the house of God where we see our own sin and we judge it and we take responsibility for it and we trust God for his mercy and for his grace. You know, humility. I'm a needy person, Lord. Lord, I can't meet my own needs. I can't do it. I'm helpless without you. And Lord, I'll be honest with you. Deliver me from being more concerned about man's opinion than your opinion. Would you deliver me from the fear of man, wanting to be a man pleaser? And God, most of all, would you search me and know my heart? Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me, Lord. and Lead me in the way everlasting. Show me my sin, Lord. I'll judge it. And I'll pray for others who are, who are in a difficult place.